0: Dear friends, please uh, enjoy our breathing one more time as we listen to the sound of the bell. uh, With in-breath, just feel refreshed. Breathing in fresh oxygen. Breathing out, letting go. With all respect to our beloved teacher, Thai and to uh, our other brothers and sisters who are with us, and with the sangha and our friends here. Uh, this is a, a happy moment. We are surrounded by, uh, uh, at least I am surrounded by all my brothers and sisters here. My sister Yu next to me. And the sangha has gathered, and. On behalf of our teacher, who is in San Francisco, we we'll, uh, thank you for coming to support the Sangha, and being here with us uh, this evening. Mm. Our teacher's deepest wish has always uh, been to build a, uh, uh, a community, a beloved community, as uh, he shared uh, you know, his conversation with Martin Luther King. That is uh, our teacher's deepest wish is to form a family, uh, a spiritual family. And so tonight uh, sitting here uh, among my brothers and sisters, uh, I think this uh, um, one of the few times where we' manifest like this to in a way, uh, continue our teacher uh, as he's not physically here. Uh, so we uh, thank you for coming together. This is something our teachers uh, uh, as always uh, gets nourished by, and so do we mm. Mm. tonight we my sister yim she's uh my eldest sister she's uh, asked me to share first so i uh I will. <laughs> I try to get her to share first, it's the uh, first time we we're doing this. so uh, She was supposed to uh, represent the Dharma and I was supposed to represent the humor, I guess. <laughs> just to let you know that that's, uh, I guess, the intention. <laughs> um, I think tonight, just being together already, I think we we know how how powerful it is when people gather for, with the same intention to learn, to open up, to really touch something deeper than uh, what we normally do outside. And I think that's the truth uh, that I'm feeling. Uh, this evening, the the, the talk uh, we're supposed to share the theme is um, stop waiting and start living. It's quite uh um, quite American you know? <laughs> <laughs> when I at, when I found out that 's what it was, uh, I was quite uh, wow it 's like a subtitle somewhere <laughs> but it is uh, uh and I reflected on uh, the theme of waiting. Mm-hmm. this morning we had a uh, a walk in the in the park over here um, and we sat in the in front of I think George Washington or a statue and there were people protesting or voicing support for the Syrian people refugee and, and we sat there I don't know how long but it was very peaceful to be sitting there and supporting that effort and Acknowledging and being there and contributing our peace uh, and then sharing lunch. But uh, I had a chance to uh, touch deeply and be reminded uh, that I was a refugee myself, our family. And in uh, in 1979, our family escaped uh, Vietnam on a boat with maybe two hundred, three hundred people and I was maybe six, seven years old Mm -hmm. so I was, I I touched that sitting there in the park uh, because we heard some of the voice and some of the speech and we we, uh, 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 we also know that this country is built on that uh, refugee Uh, we all come from somewhere but not uh, from this uh, land, this continent. Most of us, at least. Mm. So I feel uh, mm, grateful uh, to be here. And, and, uh, I reflected on mm, our time when we were in the refugee camp, my family. And we were waiting for some country to sponsor us. I find out later. As a kid, I was just playing around the refugee camp, throwing rocks and things. <laughs> we were on an island off of Hong Kong, and uh, yeah, just reflecting. Uh, like there was this huge warehouse, maybe the size of this uh, uh, this auditorium, and we were all. We had each family had little spots of you know mats on the floor, and. You know, that was our, our, our waiting spot until someone, you know, uh, some country or some place uh, sponsored us. Uh, and we were sponsored by uh, uh, a Christian family in uh, Oregon to, for us to come over. And I think this is, you know, uh, there was a lot of movement back then between the Buddhist community and the Christian community to, to help. So many churches rose to the occasion to, to gather and, and sponsor one family. And I remember uh, the, the family that sponsored us, the church actually is not just one family, but I remember it was many families from that church, and they each contributed something to, they bought a house for our family, and it was a two-story house. And they bought it and they filled it up with furniture and food and everything. And I remember opening the cabinet full of food and canned food and all kinds of food. And I couldn't believe how much food was in that house. As well as toys. There was a room full of toys. I think they collected from the other church members. And I remember opening the door and seeing toys I mean. And we didn't know what how to play some of them. I remember because they were so new. And they uh, the top floor was like maybe four or six rooms. It was many rooms. And they wanted they you know they were um, my mom and dad and it was four of us. And so they gave us each a room. And uh, you know I had a room. My sister had a room. My brother had a room. Even though they were little, they each had a room. But we ended up staying in one room. My, my parents' room. <laughs> we all, in fact, I think my two brothers, I think I did too, slept on this huge bed. And, you know, that's what we were uh, used to in the refugee camp. So that's, uh, you know, sitting there in the park today, these memories of, uh, of you know, having a place to come back to uh, and feeling grateful. And my mom kept. In touch with our, they call them sponsor. Uh, I never actually learned their names because around the house they were they were just mentioned as sponsors. Uh, the, the, and this is um, a beautiful image of uh, you know people coming together to help those in need. And this is what uh, I remember around the house uh, growing up. My mom, once in a while, would take a trip up to Oregon and meet meet with our sponsor and many other families. This is uh, mm, mm, so the uh, the theme of uh, uh, waiting came up of uh, you know waiting for a place to come to take refuge in. This is uh, uh, important. Uh, uh, theme for me because it's been a theme for my whole family my parents as well as my grandparents they had to escape china after the revolution and then my parents uh, escaping america and then i guess uh, my turn is uh, i kind of my turn to escape america i guess <laughs> in terms of actually uh, growing up in in uh, Los Angeles in the city um, coming, confronting a lot of suffering as well as a young person in a way becoming a monk now I see another, another way of looking at it is uh, uh, taking refuge or how say, uh, 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 a full-time refugee yeah <laughs> I'm a full-time refugee now and and my um, I'm, I'm always taking refuge. And this is a, a wonderful way for, to remind myself as I was sitting there in the park. What am I taking refuge in? Uh, what am I waiting for? Am I waiting for another sponsor, another country? And uh, as I follow my breath, I uh, realize that what my teacher has taught me is uh, I take refuge in my breath and taking refuge in that island within myself. And uh, the breath has saved me Once I, uh, when I learned from my teacher mm, what the power of the breath. When we simply take an uh, in-breath, conscious in-breath, we become aware of the in-breath coming in. And when we breathe out, we let go. You let that out-breath penetrate. Let it come from every cell of your body. Feel the lightness as you breathe out. And I remember training like that, sitting still in the, the forest in France, in the, our monastery or in the bamboo grove. And remember it taking refuge in my breath as I feel the breath into my body. So every time we take a conscious breath and we bring our mind to the breath there's a break from all the thinking, all the worries all the anxiety that we have that we're used to uh, we're so used to be thinking and using our mind and being constantly occupied uh, it's uh, always uh, uh, talking and a lot of stimulation in our mind that we don't know what it feels like to actually just let it go and just come back to the breath when we come back to the breath our mind comes back back, to our body our mind returns to our body sometimes we are present with our body but our mind is somewhere else and you can see that phenomenon uh, happening more and more You know, my brother and I, we walk uh, the street from Greenwich, Greenwich, and sometimes we come up, and and I see all these shops, uh, cafes, or places, and places where people come to eat eat or drink, and I like to peek in there. And uh, without fail, I've been finding that there's a couple sitting there at the table, and it looks nice, but they're both, you know, not present. I mean, they're present to their gadget. I think you, I think you, you, you're starting to see that phenomenon. And so, this is uh, the uh, our, our, our situation. This is uh, the um, the state where we our culture, our society is moving towards. And this is something we need to look at. Uh, is uh, you know there are wars and. Uh, conflicts and mm, between groups and nations but we also need to look at our where we're at in our, our the place we live in our family we have to look look deeply and see are we present? Are we present to ourselves? We present. are we present to our loved ones? this is uh, uh, something that uh, I'm observing more and more so when we come back to the breath It's a a wonderful place uh, for refuge When we have a strong emotion When we have something uh, that's coming up for us Difficult We always have the breath to return to Take an in-breath Take an out-breath Take a break from that emotion Take a break from that thought In, out. Monastery. When we hear the sound of the bell, we uh, we train to come back to our breath. You know, I tell you now, and it sounds easy, but act, you know, you maybe you do it uh, for a few minutes here, but I'm pretty sure after this event, you go outside, you go back to your you know uh, habits and tendency to start thinking again. So the the stopping to come back to the present moment, to be in touch with our body as it moves, as it sits, requires uh, training. So in the monastery, I remember uh, in our dining hall, we have a, a, a clock that chimes. I remember uh, first being in Plum Village, our monastery in France, that uh, it, it was difficult. Every time the the clock chime, and I'm in the middle of a conversation, like after lunch or something. It was really annoying, <laughs> you know. And I always wonder, and I always question. I was like, "How did our teacher come up with this?" You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's really. Uh, um, I mean, it's a good tool, but it was uh, it was pretty radical because you know the chime is right there in the dining hall is, and it was every 15 minutes. And I remember uh, trying to figure out how to make it so it's a little longer. Uh, But, you know, I think the brothers, I asked permission and they didn't allow that. I don't know, it was like an old one. I don't know, it was all, didn't have options back then. But it was all 15 minutes. (laughs) But I remember, you you know, in the middle of a conversation and and it chimes and you, and uh, at first you you kind of, okay, I have to do it, you know. So you don't really enjoy it yet, uh, and this is just from a habit of uh, of um, not used to yet the the, the a kind of clear uh, thoughtless mind. You know, you you used to always engage and be in conversation or always thinking of something. You know, it's it's it requires training, and I remember me uh, I struggled with that in the beginning. So, it's pretty typical uh, for us to, to have difficulty. But throughout um, uh, the training, as uh, the years pass, I begin to see more the, the value of coming back to the breath. Especially in meetings, or I would have gatherings, and um, strong emotion will come up. And slowly I began to see the benefit uh, of taking a break. Uh, the, the delaying. Of continual thought, having a pause, uh, I began to see the benefit of that. Uh, so this is um, one of the refuge that uh, I found that I slowly more and more uh, become uh, a deep deeper for me and finding different ways that it helps me. so just take a break, uh, train yourself. Uh, I sometimes share with the young adults uh, during wake-up school that you know a uh, uh, a rest uh, a restful mind, a clear mind, you or a thoughtless mind. It sounds weird, a huh? thoughtless. It's like you don't want to be thoughtless, but more and more, I think we will were, we we're gonna want to um, uh, you know use terms like that because we're so always thinking. You know our culture now. But we don't know what it feels like. And I tell the young people, like, do you know what it feels like when you have a bad breath? You know? Right? After a six-hour, ten-hour plane ride, and you get off, and you're like, oh. <laughs> you, wanna, you, know, you don't want to talk to anybody, right? And, you, you know, we were not born to brush our teeth, and that's... It, you learn that. And you learn what it feels like to kind of... Mm. So it's something you learn, and you don't want to be near or talk to someone like that. So our mind is like that. Our mind is restless, it's angry, it is, you know, full of tension. And we think that's the norm. So I, I say this because it's a little graphic and like visual and, and all that. Because it tells us, you know, we're so used to of this being full of, you know, stuff. But uh, uh, equivalent is, uh, you know, if you're restless, angry, full of emotion, you don't want to be, you know, what happens? So uh, I use this example because the young people find it very easy to understand. So training our mind to feel when it is fresh, like a fresh breath, it requires some training, needs some effort. So sitting down, finding time once a day or so on to really find that refuge of a fresh mind. You know the word brainwash? I like to reuse that word, you know? People hate to be brainwashed. It's like, kind of like cultish and all that. But actually, it's a nice term. <laughs> hey, think about it, brainwash. It means like uh, your brain is full of stuff. And needs a washing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You live. You know. You grew up in your family. I think you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> She's gonna save me after. Uh, This is a training to be up here uh, for us to share with you, and it's also a training for us. um, So the topic of uh, waiting. um, I grew up and uh, in educated in um, in uh, in California, and um, as an architect, and studied, and wanted to be good, and. You know, make a name for myself, and so on. And I think the uh, 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 you know to have a house and two garage, and, you know, the American dream. The uh, uh, and my my mother and my father sacrificed a lot for their four children, my two brothers and my sister. You know, to you know, they escape with nothing. You know. They had to leave everything. I remember giving away my toys. And I was like, why am I giving away my toys? And I remember my dad giving away his Honda, you know. And slowly our furniture, we had to, well, we had to do it secretively, you know, so the neighborhoods don't know that we're going to escape one night on a boat. And we, we left everything to come here. And so I, I remember there was a lot of push from my mom, especially to to be successful and to you know to make a, you know, and that's a dream for for of our mothers and fathers. And I see as I I grew up, I, I saw that there was a lot of uh, uh, promotion and a lot of um, effort to to reach you know. The diploma to become this and that, you know, the all the awards and so on. These stickers you get, uh, I forget what they call it, certificates. Yeah, it's quite. Uh, you get trained to be like always, uh, be somebody, and then you become an architect. You work in and you, you look and you you see whose cl- office is closer to whose and who's got the better project. It's always uh um, and you know, that's uh, the system I grew up in and I was stuck in that and I was uh, also um, growing up I had difficulties with my father um, he uh, had he struggled a lot coming over here and losing everything and so the, for me the um, I had a lot of anger issue with my father and I think this is uh, um Mm, something that the practice helped me with. Mm, to learn to come back and look at ourselves. And uh, to really confront the suffering that I was having as a young man. And it uh, helped me um, become a little happier once I, uh, the practice helped me look at my father. And look at my relationship with him. To begin to understand him more. And to begin to understand my own suffering. And this is uh, uh, what uh, was the benefit of uh, sitting, you know, silencing, silencing the mind a little, calming, and having time to look deeply at my emotions, where I am at, and the goals that I am setting for myself. Uh, this uh, helped me to understand more of uh, what true happiness was. You know, once. I was able to, to touch a little bit of the root of my suffering I was also able to touch also the things that I'm like you know, passing by because uh, of some future promise you know, to become this, to become that always wanting more and I think I uh, uh, it, it it's a kind of suffering uh, always thinking that you're lacking and this is something that's kind of underneath our culture a little bit and with the practice I think it can help all of us to really uh, to recognize that wow I'm still alive that there's um, my eyes my body is in good condition I'm healthy enough my tooth ache you know You know, my teacher, he shared with us uh, about the toothache. It's very, sorry, back to hygiene. But, uh, (laughs) you know, this moment is a non-toothache moment. (laughs) You know, it's kind of silly. like, what does that mean? But all you need to do is just reflect. Remember that uh, teeth, tooth in the back. Remember when it was aching, and your gum was inflamed? Just touching that, even though it's not a great suffering, it was a suffering. And it reminds us, like, ah, how wonderful! I don't have a toothache now. (laughs) I mean, it's like, this is a, a practice, just like stopping to recognize the breath, as recognizing uh, a thoughtless uh, uh, a mind that's clear. It's a training to actually be present to this moment, to this present moment and to recognize that, wow, the conditions are so many. I can... I remember our teacher gave us homework to write down all the wonderful condition that is in the happy moments in your life now. And you... It's a wonderful exercise. And your loved one your brothers, your sisters this is all something sometimes we're there with our loved ones but we're not present so my brother made us some tea Uh, before coming here we're hanging out at somebody's place and uh, you know he brought his tea set and he made um, one of my brother, three of us uh, tea and I, I recognized like wow is that like we hadn't had tea for a while, <laughs> and we sat there and drank tea together, and to so to recognize that ah oh, my younger brother is uh, a, so sweet, you know he brought his tea material and we just woken up from a nap and you know first thing he does is make us tea, you know and I I, I was you know reading a book or something and I close it and we look at each other and we're drinking tea. I mean that sounds like really, hmm, what does that have to do with my you know my happiness, my career? But that moment actually is uh the building block for for the rest of the uh, the that's your living. So sometimes we put a lot of goals and a lot of things that we want, but actually when we get there, we want more. I'll give you an example of the union you have a tea cup, you drink your tea and you want to do the next thing when you get to the next thing, you want to do so on and this is the way we've been trained and this is where we're at as a culture and we need to look so when I say we all uh, uh, will become refugee in, I think in my lifetime we will see that uh, we will need we will all become refugees and it's a kind of different thing it's not about one nation another but we will all need a place where we can escape a little bit of all that online and Wi-Fi and, you know, this stuff is everywhere now. And we have no time to be with ourselves and to be present for our body, to be present with the moment and to enjoy life as it is in the now. To be present with our loved one and to be present with nature. This is uh, 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 where we are heading on. Uh, besides the climate change and all this, th- there is something happening to our culture. Uh, we are traveling around the world, we see escalating faster and faster. And so, uh, I hope you uh, uh, continue to train to uh, find a refuge within. Uh, a refugee camp within. We we all will need that. Uh, When you have strong emotion, or when you need a break, or when you feel out of touch with uh, what you need to do, come back. Everything you need, everything you have is there. It is only from that place that we can help change where we are at as a society, as a uh, human on this planet. If we keep struggling, fighting like that, but we don't have this refuge, then it will be uh, difficult. My sister, yung will continue on this theme for us. Uh, Please uh, take a breath. Come back to that uh, refugee camp inside. We all need a refugee camp once in a while.
1: There are times where I wonder um, why can I not go back to my refugee camp? Or uh, this place in me that uh, I like to call home. Why can I not go back home? What is uh, preventing me from going back home to myself? Uh, When uh, my mind and body are in the same place, I feel at home. I've been fortunate enough to always have a roof over my head to have a home, uh, but I've not always been home, I'm not always home. I was reminded of this as I walked to come here and I saw many posters saying, bring him home, the Martian. And I thought, yeah, and when they bring him home, Will he be really and truly home? Will he find his true home? Um, So I reflected on that. Uh, My true home, as my brother said, Brother Fabium, Brother Embrace. I said, really truly home with ourselves. Uh, Many years ago, there was uh, a lady from Austria that came to Plum Village. And after, at the end of her stay, at the end of the retreat, we asked uh, some friends to give some input, uh, how it had been for them. And this lady said, um, she came to Plum Village, because she had read somewhere um, Thomas Morton's words that said, um, you can see Thich Nhat Hanh is a monk by the way he closes the door. So she had come to watch us closing doors. (laughs) We didn't know. (laughs) Maybe just as well. Um, However, she must have been uh, impressed because uh, she was scheduled to stay one week and she stayed two. Uh, So, uh, closing a a door, and for me that became like a a practice, how do I close doors? I think we all have doors somewhere that we can close either uh, well this is a swing door, so open it if you like, but closing door or opening a door by taking the knob, you know, turning it or the handle and pushing it down and pushing open the door. Uh, So it's very interesting to observe, how do we open a door? And how do we close a door? It's just a door. But it is a wonderful way to bring us back to our home. To uh, put our hand on the knob, to feel the knob in our hand, already brings our mind back to our body. So I turn the knob or I push the handle down and I'm aware of how much force I use to open the door and to close the door. So, if you don't have time to sit, and breathe, uh, maybe, since you're going through the door anyway, um, you can make that your practice of going home. Uh, But coming home also is something else, like, um, coming home to that place where it's quiet. I've noticed here in New York, it's quite noisy, outside. Um, and as I was walking, I came here on foot. Um, I thought, yes, it's very noisy. But let me see, if I just let the noise be, then, is it then quiet? Um, And I realized, I'm thinking. And sometimes I find, even if there's no noise around me, it's quite noisy inside. You know? Maybe the most noise is inside, the outer noise, not so much. And when I listen to this noise, I see most is just unuseful thinking, not helpful at all. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, okay, can I close a door? You know? Why am I thinking so much? I've just come out of a meeting, and I carry things out of the meeting with me. I've already closed the door, right? Physically. But in my head, no. You know, why did she say this in that way? Why didn't she flow along, etc. You know, the meeting was closed, but not everywhere. <laughs> I continue the meeting in my head. So, close the door. You know, the meeting is over, close the door. And then, as I close the door, it's the same as opening a door. It means new possibilities, new challenges, and can I be there for the possibilities and for the challenges? Maybe we can close the door for a moment with the sound of a bell. Just close the door and a joy and in-and-out breath. And just let the world be for one moment. Closing the door as we hear a sound of the bell or as we stop for a traffic light. Uh, closing the door when we leave the office. One retreatant came, she would like to have a consultation. And she said, my problem is I feel I'm married to my husband's business. He said, when he comes home, he brings the whole business with him. And of course, when we come home, there may be something that happened in the office we want to share, but it was not just that, like something shared, and this is how I feel about it, it was all about the problems, and about the things, only business, business, business. He said, I think I'm married to a business. Uh, So when we close the door of the office, when we go home, and when we open the door of our uh, apartment or house, and, and we close the door behind us, and truly close the door, then we can be truly present for our loved ones. For our children, our partner. We can be there. We can share with them from our heart, and we can listen with our heart and we can enrich each other's lives. I am uh, of Irish and Dutch uh, descent, Irish mother, Dutch father. And it took me a while, when I started to go, we lived in Ireland and then in the Netherlands, it took me a while to find out where I belonged was kind of a little bit uprooted. Am I Dutch? Am I Irish? Inside the house it's Irish. Outside the Dutch it's Dutch. You know? Where are my roots? And if we want to live we need to have roots. You know? Trees have roots. If you cut a tree from its root, it won't continue to live. Rivers have a source. If we cut the river from the source the river will stop living. So if you want to start living, we also need to nourish our roots, our ancestors. So I would say, stop waiting and start living also in a way of start celebrating life. Celebrating our ancestors, our blood ancestors, our adapted, adopted, Ancestors, our spiritual ancestors, our land ancestors. To bring them, to reconnect with them, to be nourished by them. We cannot take our ancestors out of us. Our youngest ancestors are our parents. They are our ancestors. We cannot say, I have nothing to do with you. No, we have all and everything to do with them we are their continuation. All our ancestors are within us. Connecting with them inside of ourselves to recognize all their strengths they have transmitted to us and also all their weaknesses. And to nourish their strengths and to take care of their pain and suffering, of the wounded child that was in them as well, and that is now also in us. It is not just our child, our wonder child. When we say our, we mean all our ancestors. So, to connect with our ancestors. In Plum Village, we have Ancestors Festival. Where we honor our ancestors, and where we express our gratitude to our ancestors. Recognizing that we are their continuation, they are our roots. We all may like to look into our ancestors and find ways to celebrate our ancestors, to celebrate our roots in order to find stability, in order to find freedom in order to be able to be truly there, and truly alive for ourselves and for our loved ones. I know that in New York you celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day much, much bigger than in Ireland I've ever seen. (laughs) I think there are many, many Irish people here also, maybe also refugees. But staying connected to their roots yeah. In this way, our roots are a tradition. Yeah. Uh, a tradition can be renewed, refreshed, but a tradition is also our refuge and our roots. So celebrate. In Plum Village, we celebrate also the earth. We celebrate spring, the daffodil festival. We celebrate. Plum Blossom Fe- Festival, we have Full Moon Festival, the solstice. You know, there are roots we share, all of us, and we can celebrate together. Let's celebrate a moment together. by just getting in touch with our roots. You can just close your eyes and see our roots as the earth, we are part of the earth and everything that's in and on it. Although we do not have roots like a tree, we are rooted in the earth. We have come from the earth, the earth is also our roots with all and everything that's on the earth. So let's, just for a moment, connect with our roots of the earth with our land ancestors, our spiritual ancestors, our adopted ancestors, and our blood ancestors. we, the monastics, we are rooted in the Plum Village Tradition. We celebrate every breath, we celebrate every step. Whenever we walk, where we walk, we walk on the earth with love and with compassion. We walk as if we're kissing the earth with our feet, even here in New York. As I was walking, I was kissing the earth with my feet, saying, Dear earth, we love you. I know we have covered you with stone, with asphalt, with tarmac, with a lot of things. We love you. We are here for you. We want to be here for you because you are here for us always. And this walking gave me stability and gave me freedom as I was aware of my steps and felt the contact between my feet and the earth, I created some space, some space inside. I created some silence inside. Space to be there. When our heart is small, Tai said sometimes it's like a peanut. I think sometimes my heart is like a mung bean. You know, there's no space for anything, neither for myself nor for anybody else. But walking like this, my heart open and there is space. There's space for everything I meet, for everybody I meet in the street, and I can smile. So we walk like this. It's our route. In the early years, in the early ninety years, nineteen nineties, uh, friends of Plum Village, practitioners, they went to Vietnam and they visited Thai's root temple. And as they were walking there, they practiced walking meditation. And a young monastic, a young novice came up to them and said, you must be from Plum Village. And they said, yes, how do you know? And he said, I can see it by your walking. It's our roots, our spiritual roots. It's our walking, our breathing, our listening, and our speaking. We listen to ourselves with compassion to others. We speak lovingly. We learn how to truly love. How to truly love, how to offer compassion, how to be loving and kind, how to share our joy, and how to embrace each other with equanimity. That is true love. And we learn how to be truly happy as my brother already said, not running after things, but to see that we have more than enough conditions to be happy, already. We do not need that other ice cream. Not the coffee, although we had coffee before we came here. We can have coffee, but it's not because we think we don't have enough conditions to be happy. It's to enjoy the conditions for happiness we have. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So celebrate our spiritual roots, whatever our spiritual roots may be. Discover the beauties, everything that contributes to our own well-being, the well-being of the others, and the well-being of the world and the earth. Celebrate, connect, and we can do this all together. I think my brother wanted to add something to this. I am his, um, what do you call it? Souffleur?
0: Just giving another chance to share something. Yes, please. So I'll take this opportunity and I, uh, will yes. stop being nice. <laughs> I think um, our teacher, you know, he was a radical monk. You know, he grew up in the time of war. You know, he saw, you know, he, the French come and then the Americans come. This is what produced this uh, practice, this tradition. You know, a classic uh, image is a monk is not sitting in there uh, praying and doing the gong and hoping that the, you know there will be a better world that we can re- be reborn into. But he stood up and uh, he gathered the monastics and uh, as well as his elder uh, monks and venerables and. They, they went into the villages to help they actively uh, so this is uh, mm, this is what has moved our teacher and now he's come to the west and he's seen uh, the, some of the roots of why those wars happen and this is I just want to just throw that out there just uh, as we've been around our teacher, you see, it's like, you know, people ask, why are you guys uh, speaking against war and going out there and like going to the warring countries and, you know, doing what your teacher did? And that is a, uh, it's a real teaching to, to ask and to keep that uh, awareness. It's like, why is Thai keep teaching us to breathe and smile? I was like, what is that? Some people say that's light Buddhism, right? Like, uh, what is that, you know? Uh, And it's a real challenge for our our, our community as we struggle between engagement and also taking, not losing ourselves. Because the war starts when we are actually, we've lost our roots, we've lost our refuge, that we are not happy with just being alive on this planet. You're going to die, you know. I mean, the war will go on, you're going to die. You know, and so our teachers teach us to really come from a deep place. Of course, do the social change, do these activities, but don't lose uh, these uh, those deep moments for yourself. And to do it together, and this is uh, our teacher's uh, uh, challenge to our next uh, uh, next century. Uh, he's, uh, I think, maybe some of you have heard our teacher saying and and uh, commenting on the last century, as a century of individualism you know, everyone, me, me, and and my nation, my people, and so on and it's caused a lot of stuff, yeah and so uh, a teacher is really emphasizing on the collective and it's tough to be on a collective part of this uh, community, you know, it's not easy you have to conform and you have to like be like the rest and kind of like lose your identity. I'll just tell you some of the truth about it. <laughs> it challenges every L.A. Seed in me to like, oh man, I want to go out there and change L.A., you know? And the brothers say, nope, you're going to go, you know, breathe and walk in the woods, you know? <laughs> Sorry, my sisters and brothers. (laughs) It is a challenge to be part of a community. It is because it it goes against everything we. You know, I have rights, and especially when you're right. (laughs) You know, and you have to just. And this is what's. This is the root of war. I'm right. And to live in the collective, to live in a community, you live in a family, you know that. There's a small little community there in the family, around the kitchen maybe, around the dining table. I I was witness to that. Because we're not able to let go and see that, come on, it's just... So this is the training for us to learn to let go of our own ideas, our notions of what is right, what is wrong, what is just. Sometimes even fighting for just cause, we cause a lot of suffering. So we have to be careful as we come together and help and remind ourselves to check in with each other, to see that, hey, is this where we want to go? And So this is a a challenge our teacher has for our community, uh, for our next, uh, you know, he's famous to have said... uh, our teacher is saying, uh, has a saying that's pretty, I haven't heard anywhere. The next Buddha, he said, is, will be a community. That's very beautiful, you know? It's, you imagine that? You don't look for somebody leading and charging, and, oh, well, the Buddha will probably do something. But a community that actually deals with challenges, suffering, but it checks itself and it, it helps each other. And there's a sense of love and understanding, acceptance. Because this is the, all the energy, the, all the difficulties that we're facing as a, a family, as a, a group of people, as a, a workplace, right? You look in your, your company. What are, the, what are the most challenging things in your workplace? Your it's all about that. People don't know how to work together and let go. So the collective, for us, is uh, a challenge. How to learn these practices so we don't lose our center, our harmony within. And then, working ways, finding ways to build community. Because to resist this other energy, we need to to do it as a community. And we need everyone to have this kind of training, so you feel, I don't need another sweater. Just because it's a new season, or they change color on me again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I remember it's like it's brown season, it's yellow season. You know, you got to change your whole wardrobe just because they say so. So they know. I don't want to say they. You know, it's like a bunch of us. Maybe some of us are av- uh, in in advertising and media now. But you know they know how the mind works and if you don't know how your mind works and if we don't come together we're just you think you're free? So the, I'm sorry to kind of lay, lay it out there <laughs> because this is the last chance. <laughs> but I, it, it's this is what I've learned from my teacher and I just wanted to share with you we, we, we need to come together and really resist this... Uh, all these temptations, uh, these kind of temporary pleasures, uh, these moments, right? More consuming, more uh, stimulation, entertaining yourself, more... This is what uh, is happening. We need to find ways to come together to resist. So have a refugee camp, but do it together. That's uh, the addition I think my sister was inviting me to add. So not just you alone on the island of a refugee camp, but bring friends, make friends. Come together and make that island and expand. And uh, if we can do this together here a little bit, and a little bit around the uh, the planet, I think I'm pretty hopeful. I think, uh, and we need to keep that. Don't, uh, let it, uh, don't let it mm, drag you down. Huh? We were at the Huffington Post and we learned that they have a department for good news. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? And I, and I asked them, how, so how do you guys, what do you guys do? Make stories up? Because <laughs> I don't see any good news in the news. And they say, yeah, and they, they shared, we, we met with a small team and They shared that, uh, uh, actually they, they look at stories that are out there and they try to find something positive and they go do more research. And that's beautiful. And I really, I was removed with, there was like four or five in that department. And that's their work. And we need to do that. We need to do that in our family, within ourselves. Look at, there's something happening that's good for today. And accentuate it. Do it in the family, do it at your work, please do it in your work it's tough and it's tough to work at a work uh, a, a hard place but do there and then create your work become a community you know and then begin to come together build a Sangha Sangha is just a group of people coming together to, to, to remind each other with the practice and so this is uh, our teachers' deepest wish to have a little bit a bit Around uh, every place, and for us to um, remind ourselves and remind others. Um, thank you. I uh, I believe there's something. Uh, is there? Oh yes, we uh, now open uh, the mic for uh, any questions or any comments or. Uh, I think there's a microphone around. I think there's some brothers and sisters who come up here to join us to um, to add a different perspective. Is there a mic around? Yes. Yes, you can come up here if you'd like to uh, uh, share or uh, make a comment. Oh, they have a mic
2: right there. I just wanted to thank you. Gratitude for sharing your love and your light with us here and bringing your stories, your your honesty, your experience, your humor. Really grateful for that. It's really refreshing to... Uh, embrace the reflection that we all know that we have within us and to see a collective, uh, you know, as you say, this community that does exist. And I just wanted to say thank you. I'm really grateful. And congratulations.
0: Him and my brother Papai has joined us, and they will take personal questions too. So yeah. Questions from the heart. Yes, questions from the heart.
3: Hi, welcome. I'm actually new to the city. I'm from Philadelphia area, so I drove up this morning, three hours. Um, I took the back roads. And um, I go to um, Wellsprings Unitarian Church and every Sunday um, I'm blessed to have a quote like this up on our screen by Thich Nhat Hanh that leads us into meditation for five minutes. Um, all you need to enter heaven on earth is one conscious step, and one conscious breath. And I really appreciate this opportunity to be here with you. And my question, it takes me a long time to get to my question. <laughs> Um, is as you talk about refuge inside and refuge in community um, I am blessed to have a small community that really is um, building a mindfulness um, it's probably the rap- most rapidly growing Unitarian church in the country which is uh, tremendous because it's very open spiritually and um, we embrace a lot of things including Thich Nhat Hanh's mindfulness um, How can we, I'm sure everyone in this room is from a different place in our society, in our jobs that are not sitting mindfully all day long, how can we bridge this experience into the world of Wi-Fi and phones? thinking of myself last night when I was on my phone with my boyfriend (laughs) at the restaurant and how do we actually try to do that um, more.
4: So, dear family, life's full of surprises. I stood up to walk off the stage to stretch my legs. And I was uh, uh, invited, is the kind way to put it, to be part of the, the question and answer panel, so I'm very happy to be sitting here. And as I received that invitation to be part of the question and answer panel, I realized that as a practitioner, the most central practice for me is to learn how to say yes. Not only to say yes with my mouth, but to say yes to the experience that I'm invited to have in this moment. To look at the places that I close down or the ways that I try to manufacture this moment into something that I believe it should be. In our tradition, in the Plum Village tradition, we practice what we call engaged Buddhism. And we've all heard the stories about going out to um, bombed-out villages, building schools, um, doing flood work, relief work. We've done all of those things, and we do all of those things. And yet, at its core, engaged Buddhism means choosing to engage with this moment, whatever this moment is, as a moment of practice. It was, we're coming into the Jewish New Year, and I'm thinking um, of uh, somebody called Viktor Frankl, who wrote in Man's Search for Meaning, something that we also find to be true in Buddhism as well. We can't always, or very often, choose our circumstances, but as human beings, the one choice we truly have (coughs) is the choice of how we respond. So when we say that we can't sit all day mindfully, why not? What does mindfully mean? Does it mean we need to go to a mountain side, or go to a cave, or um, a hut, a nice retreat hut somewhere? That was my view of what monastic life is, or the life of the practice, and it's only ever happened once in 20 years. (laughs) How do I use this moment as a moment that I can be fully present in my body, with the experience that I'm having, with the person who's in front of me? Can I choose, when the phone rings, to take an in-breath and an out-breath, bring myself back to my body and pick up the phone? Can I choose to, rather than just run from here to the coffee maker, can I choose to take a few steps with each breath, to arrive with each step? These are ways that it is possible for us to bring the practice of mindfulness to our daily life, so our spiritual life is not something compartmentalized to one side, that we do in between things but it is actually our life itself. So that's the invitation of um, Engaged Buddhism, to see what we can do, where we're planted in this very moment. So this is something that's possible for us. There are some of us, there are maybe, there are a few hundred of us in this room. We're all sharing the same space together. And yet, there are some of us in this room who are thinking, oh, this talk was so interesting tonight. It was so wonderful to hear from a half Irish, half Dutch, um, senior disciple of Tay and, and our brother, Phap Jung, who has so many interesting experiences. And then there's others who are thinking, I can't wait till this is over. This is, why did I come here tonight? Ah, This kind of thing. Some of us are in heaven, some of us are in hell. Who's right, who's wrong? Now, I mean, some of you might think it's a cheap shot, but it really does depend on you, doesn't it? It really does depend on our mind and the way we interpret things. So I invite you to look at that. I invite you to engage with with that practice and see if it's possible for you to make just a small change. Not ten small changes, but a small change in your daily life. Good luck.
5: Um, I want to thank you for being here and I'm really grateful for your presence here and your, your presence in the world. And I think about if there were, if there was a beloved community of, of more people like in this room, um, how much empathy and how much compassion could really be present in the world. And um, you've in a way answered what my question was, but um, someone like me, I feel really overwhelmed when I read the news. I feel really overwhelmed by, for example, what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Syria. Um, How do you balance? being internal and um, having compassion internally and balancing that with being engaged in the world and and as something as small as keeping up with the news, that could easily feel overwhelming. Um, And I know we have really beautiful examples with Sigmund Han and Martin Luther King, and so we, we can reflect on their example. But how do you find that balance when it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the suffering and the violence and the pain that we know that a lot of people are dealing with? Thank you so much.
0: Yes, that's a very pertinent uh, question in terms of uh, the amount of information that uh, we should expose ourselves to. Mm, The important thing is uh, uh, maintaining compassion in our heart. But more practically, I think our human mind is not meant to actually be constantly bombarded with so much suffering. You know, you hear it in your car or your subway, you're driving here, you hear it in the morning, you hear it while you take a break. In the afternoon, you hear it. I mean, I, when I was driving in L.A., an hour and a half to work in the morning, I listened to NPR, because people said, I should be informed. I have friends from Berkeley, you know. and <laughs> You know, every time they come back, they always ask me to go uh, to, uh, what do you call it, those picket things, they were good, but it was my way of getting out of my anger, now that I remember back, so we're so, uh, we put so high on the pedestal, being informed, right, you gotta be up to date, but there's, I mean, how much more do you want, I mean, it's, I mean, you hear it in the morning, and then in the afternoon, when I'm driving back, it's the same news, but I keep hearing it. Before I even get to work, I'm already angry. You know, I don't, I you know, I haven't seen the secretary yet, you know, but it is a, a something a good question. You have to know how to take care of yourself and question the being informed. How much should you keep inflicting? It's a scar you keep picking. Okay. This is a, a balance you need to find. Each one of us in our workplace, as well as in society. You know, we were we had a, a session two days ago for with uh, um, news. Uh, it was at the Columbia University for uh, journalists at the Dart Center for they they, they take care of uh, 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 journalists who have to go to. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it, Mm, conflicting sites or tragedy uh, and then have to report and they come back and they can't handle it. So this Dart center was formed to take care of uh, and bring more awareness to the suffering that journalists face as they come back. It's kind of like vets, you know and I, I learned a lot uh, from that and the, the uh, DART Center is uh, trying to bring more mindfulness and wellness to take care of the journalists because after you see these images and you've been in places like that you, you see the mind needs healing it's a kind of like getting inflicted and, uh, you know, that's journalists but we ourselves as readers, we have to take care of that as well so be informed be intelligent, but know what you're doing to yourself and what that is causing. Because that can also spill out to your loved ones who, who had nothing to do with it. But because you, you, you keep watering the seeds. In, in our practice, we, call a, um, we each all have a seed. A seed of anger, a seed of discrimination, a seed of, uh, you know, of, uh, uh, of blame and so on. And if these keeps being watered, and then you you become immobile, you can't really be an activist if you are not like solid. So this is something for us all, as we want to change and help affect the world in a better way. We also need to take care and nourish our happiness, our joy. So you know, is how you say, uh, pay attention to the mud. But don't forget to also pay attention to the flower, to the lotus. That's also there. So we keep you know, reading books on you know, negativity and all the, And it, it, it makes you really, you can't move. And your mind becomes tight. And you start actually causing others suffering. So in a way, that's toxic. So nothing is lost. Everything you read, everything you come in through the sense, the eyes... The things you hear, the conversations I used to have with my friends—they didn't make me happier. They actually made me more angry. And sometimes anger is useful. But I think—I mean—I think my brother or my sister shared one time, maybe five percent. But I'm still trying to figure out how much of that energy, you know. I know there's a—you a, a, know—sometimes uh, it's uh, useful to speak out how can we do it in a way that has a little bit more uh, understanding, more compassion more that sense of uh, uh, ex, you know, embracing the other person rather than mm. so this is uh, what happens when we, we, we uh, get informed and it's over our limit we actually start to uh, cause more trouble uh, than uh, helpful and this is a uh, uh, each one of us, uh, through the practice of taking care of ourselves, nourishing ourselves with good news, nourishing ourselves with moments of actually recognizing, taking a walk in the park, recognizing, Mm. hugging a tree, watching, you know, sitting there in front of a flower, and feeling, recognizing that flower. So these are things that I found helpful in my you know, practice in terms of engaging the world as we travel and we hear people suffering as... You know, I have to take a walk in nature after a consultation or something. I can't do, like, consultation six right away because my mind is no longer present for the third person. I mean, it looks like I'm there, but it's just too much for me. So I'd only do one, and then i go take a nap, or i you know, go walk in nature. And this is just the truth of our mind, you know. It, we're not meant to actually know of everything that's happening around the world. I mean, the internet now, you think, oh, we have access. But look at what it's doing to you. You have access, but you're like, you, you're afraid. And you're, you're, you're suspicious, you're, 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 you're fearful. And this, you cannot help the world in that state of mind. So please, uh, uh, you know, take a look at your, uh, the balance, we need balance in terms of information. Maybe one uh, last question? Yes, maybe listen to one sound of the bell. Breathing in, everything we need is here and now. Breathing out, we let go this moment without expectation.
6: there. You know, it's kind of intimidating talking to you guys, um, but what I love in the nature of how you spoke today was that you're still embracing that whole student-ness about you. Because sometimes when people that don't live in the kind of environment that you live in... um, I guess speaking for myself, but I have talked to a few other people. There's a way that we can feel um, not as spiritual or not as worthy. And what I love what you brought here was that you're still learning and that you're still figuring it out and that you're still on your journey. And that's really inspiring to hear because some of us are a little bit further back in the road on the journey. Um, one of the things I do is I go into companies, into the dark, deep, scary territory of corporate America, and I try to bring a tiny bit of mindfulness with me. Um, but what you've inspired me to do today is to take it further. You know, some of the little teachings um, are some of the things you said, like, and, and I love what you said about how being right is the root of war. And how we can bring a little bit of nonviolence to how we talk to each other every day by not trying to be so right and trying to be more compassionate, trying to be more vulnerable, which you guys exhibited today, the vulnerability of of showing that you don't know it all, that you're still a student, you're still on your journey. So I wanna thank you for that. And to let you know there are, warriors out here working for the same cause. We might not look the same way. Um, that outfit would definitely make me look a lot chubbier, and it would really, <laughs> really annoy me. Um, but, you know, we're out here, uh, warriors on the front line with you and supporting you and, um, and loving you from our place. So thank you.
7: Hi, thank you for being here tonight. I've been exploring the value of mindfulness in organizations, and I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about the benefits that you see um, about, or to bringing mindfulness into workplaces. And I'm particularly interested in how it might help to build trust.
0: Into the workplace? Uh, and to develop trust. Workplace. workplace.
6: Um,
7: for me, um, I think being a monastic is uh, something I always wanted to do, but uh, in another way there's I agree with my brother <laughs> there's challenges. <laughs> so when I enter the community, um, you know I love to do art, I love to sing songs and write poetry, but I... W- I've always been asked to do things that is out of the ordinary. <laughs> it's you know like it's not my my field. It's not my. Um, I feel like it's not in my capacity. But um, so recently, the sangha you know invited me to join the finance team and to work with you know all these figures, and it's not in in what I imagine I would do. So I think the practice of mindfulness just helped me to just be present and to um, uh, take things as they are and not to have expectation or to have, um, uh, you know, to struggle with it. At first I struggled a lot, but I feel like when I can just come back to my breathing and just to be what it is, I can just let it go. And whatever comes, I learn from it and I build my experience on it. So I think that um, in the workplace, um, we can apply mindfulness. For instance, when I am working on something that is very challenging for my my brain work, (laughs) then I just take a deep breath and come back and smile and take a break. And we have the time-out on the screen. So sometimes, or a bell, mindfulness that we install into the PC or the computer. And we just take a break, you know, close our eyes and breathe and then smile. And I find that uh, also working in a team or in a group is very helpful because I see that I have my brothers and sisters who are experienced in finance and they have all kinds of experiences. And when we come together, we really. Make things work without you know one having to think too hard. So I think that try to learn from the experience of the others, and um, be mindful, be open, and um, you know things can become easier that way rather than taking on everything on ourselves. Um, and also create a space for nurturing brotherhood and sisterhood in uh, the. In our monastery, when we have um, at Blue Cliff, when we have finance meeting, I'm always the tea master. (laughs) I make sure I prepare tea and bring some snacks or cookies or some healthy snacks. And then we start the meeting that way. We don't just start by saying, "Okay, what's the agenda?" (laughs) Of course, somebody would say that, but you know, I will always do the tea part first. And um, it's so light and nourishing, and then people feel like, oh, there's a connection. You are here for being together. It's just not just about you know trying to work something out or trying to go forward with the result. So I think that teamwork and nourishing um, brotherhood, sisterhood, and to build like um, the energy, mindfulness to, to
3: share that together is very helpful.